Hey, I want to thank our amazing sponsors at Mules and More magazine. Mules and More has been around a long time. It's a great magazine. And uh, shoot, I've been reading this magazine since I was just a little kid. I remember my dad subscribed to this when I was little and I'd read it every month and loved it. And now uh, our good friend Corey Daniels has taken over as editor of this magazine the last few years and she has done an amazing job um also did you know that meals more comes in a digital format you can download it on your phone read it wherever you're at so hey be sure to check them out mealsmore.com and uh you know hey tell them ty sent you i'd be very grateful mealsmore.com Hey friends, welcome to the Everyday Mulemanship Podcast. I'm Ty Evans, and today I got my buddy with me, Joe Winchell, and we are hanging out in the Freightliner studio. <laughs> Morning, Joe. Morning. So, we're going to talk about how me and Joe met, um, but uh, we've known for each other for a few years here, and uh, I'm hanging out in Iowa right now, and I was sitting here yesterday thinking... Hey, I've had Joe on my list to talk to for a little while. So send him a message and say, Hey, what are you doing? He says nothing. <laughs> so, <okay. laughs> All right. So, um, yeah, it's about 7 a.m. on a nice Iowa morning, huh, Joe? Yeah. Yeah, about 65 degrees. Yeah, I even had a little jacket on. Felt good. Yeah. So, Joe, uh, appreciate you coming on here, man. Uh, it's always good to hang out with you. Joe always has plenty to say. <laughs> He's not afraid to tell you what he thinks, and I like that. So I thought he'd be awesome to have on here. Um, Joe uh, rides mules out here. And um, Are you still showing much, Joe, these days? I haven't shown really hard in a couple years. Um, just like a lot of folks, you know, got busy with life, yeah. built a house, got married. Um, but... Uh, but doesn't change how I'm riding or anything like that. Mm -hmm. So, um, why don't you just, yeah, tell, tell me a little, tell them, cause I know about you, tell sure. them about yourself and what you got going <clears throat> and, uh, you know, tell us what you do for a living. Tell us about your wife and yeah, life. So my name's, uh, folks don't know me. I'm Joe Winchell. Um, 29 years old. I live in Northern Madison County, Iowa. Uh, so between Van Meter and Winterset, uh, address is Van Meter, just outside Des Moines. If you ever heard of the bridges of Madison County, you know, Winterset, Iowa, hometown of uh, John Wayne, all that good stuff. Mm -hmm. um, that's where I grew up. I was fortunate enough to be able to build a house right next to where I grew up. Um, put up a little hay with dad and uh, married to my wife, Rachel. Um, going on two years here in about a week. So, uh, got to be thinking about that anniversary present here as well. Yeah, congratulations. <laughs> um, we got two dogs, uh, three mules, just bought another mule that we need to go get picked up. Um, eight acres there. And, uh, but, uh, I, uh, I ride mules, um, been riding mules for a long time. Grew up, like I said, there where I, uh, right next to where I live, um, small acreage, you know, growing up, my dad was a doctor owned, had his own private practice. My mom's a loan officer at the bank. And so, uh, you know, it's kind of that, like, like most people out there, you know, it's kind of a hobby farm, putting up hay, have horses, grew up with draft horses, you know, and some quarter horses riding and everything there. But, uh, I graduated high school and went to college. I went to Iowa state 
and uh, got degrees in ag business and economics and uh, spent first part of my career in retail and wholesale ag. And now I'm a conservation agronomist for Iowa Soybean or for a subsidiary of them and manage a uh, ecosystem service market program that covers about uh, 150,000 acres in the U.S. and looking at growing that. So, you know, mules are something I'm very, very passionate about, big part of my life. But, uh, you know, it's not something I make a living doing, which sometimes in I think is maybe a blessing because I'm able to take the time or do the things that wouldn't be necessarily a big, smart money investment if I was looking to sell them and everything like that. Yeah, like we were just saying before I turned this on, <clears throat> um, takes me six years to make a bridal meal. <laughs> it's not, uh, you know, uh, for, for you're right for an investment wise. Yeah. It's, um, yeah. A lot of guys don't get to do that. And, uh, you know, it's the same as, as you, I feel blessed to be able to just, you know, cause I'm not riding my mules particularly to sell them. Mm -hmm. They're just, they're just my mules yeah. and, um, yeah, just enjoy the time spent with them and do what it takes. Yeah. For me, it's, you know, and I, in some ways, I really envy folks that get a ride for a living. Anybody that knows me, I have my good buddy, Chris French. Um, he lived about two hours southwest of me down uh, Taylor County on the Missouri-Iowa border. And, uh, you know, he and I talk all the time, though, about, you know, when you're looking at it as from a business, and this kind of comes from my, my economic side of my mind is, you know, understanding what your cost is per day, <clears throat> excuse me, you know, how long is it going to take you from when you own a mule to where you sell it and what you're going to want to sell it for? What, you know, what do you think you need to make on that mule? Um, you know, because when you have bills to pay and family to take care of, you know, you got to make some money doing it. And so, you know, inherently there's things you're not going to always get done like you want to get done. But usually you got to understand who you're going to sell that mule to and, and the clientele and probably, you know, whether they're going to know how to use those buttons that you taught that mule or, you know, are they really going to want that and see value in that? So um, that's some of the things that I guess I don't always have to think about. Mm -hmm. But um, but if you are, you know, you know, that's why most probably mules are, are really, really good trail mules. But it's just not the smart money investment to spend, you know, years on them, teaching them all these things and uh, understand the time it takes. You know, when I went and showed in Denver in the three year maturity, I rode. 52 weeks for hour a day, six, six days a week, no matter rain, snow, 10 degrees or hundred degrees it you got to get things rode. So. Yeah. All I'm thinking about is you said your mom's a loan officer. <laughs> yep. She is. <laughs> With all my truck problems this week. <laughs> I'm sure That's a handy I'm, person to know. I'm sure you get a good interest. I could, right I could now. use both of your parents this week. Cause yeah. your dad's a doctor. Yep. Did you hear Swayze had an allergy reaction? I did. That's unfortunate. Yeah. It was scary. Yeah. Cause my truck was in the shop. Right. And so I didn't have a vehicle. We have no service. Can't even call 911. It was a little scary. So yeah. Yeah, it would have been a great fit to have your parents <laughs> last week. Yeah, you know, uh, I grew up dad being a doctor, and dad's pretty, uh, his favorite saying, uh, A, it's either a long way from your heart, or uh, something he always taught me, he says, you know, Joe, just remember, life's a terminal disease. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, you know, having a dad as a doctor, uh, I got my last tetanus shot in the kitchen when I was a kid, you know, it was... Uh, <laughs> Never, never really understood what it was like to go get a yearly 
checkup and all this stuff. And all of a sudden, yep. you know, dad retired and I graduated college and <clears throat> needed to go get a, you know, yearly physical and yearly checkup. As my wife said, she's like, this is mm-hmm. the things you need to do as an adult. And I was like, well, I've never done this before. Mm-hmm. So I called my dad up. So I don't even know how, like, you're not my doctor anymore, I guess. I don't really have a doctor. Who do you, who do you go to? And so he had some friends in the, in the field and everything was able to get me hooked up. But, you know, yeah, it was, it was a interesting, you know, life. Uh, like I said, my dad had always had draft horses and that's mm-hmm. what kind of got me into equines. Um, grew up with Pertrans. You know, I learned to harness and drive an animal before I really learned how to saddle and uh, ride one. But, um, you know, learning all aspects of, whether it's driving a big team or, you know, riding a, a saddle mule or a quarter horse, you know, it, it all kind of rounds out your, uh, you know, your mulemanship or horsemanship skills too. Mm-hmm. You know, you mentioned selling mules and your dad, I, tr- I tried to sell a mule to your dad once. <laughs> <laughs> I remember that. I think the mule's he, name was Doc. Too, yeah. His name was Doc. That was yeah. Uh, coincidental. He, and he, your dad did not get along with that mule. You know, <laughs> that was not a good fit for your dad. But... I remember that. That was a good time. I, I, that was actually a pretty fond memory of mine. I remember we well, went up you to... had to cover half the country. <laughs> <laughs> Picked the mule up in uh, Madison or outside yeah. Madison. Yeah. Madison up in Evansville. Yeah. Evansville, Wisconsin. And yeah. then, um, had the mule for a couple weeks and, uh, you know, I, I got along with the mule pretty good. I, I didn't mind him. I said, dad, I think he's a good mule. You're not going to get hurt on him. You know, my dad's the type of guy, he he doesn't really care to understand, you know, the, the refinements of some humanship. You know, he's like, I mm-hmm. don't care if it picks up its lead, right lead, left lead. I'm like, Dad, you honestly probably really don't understand what a right lead and left lead are. Mm-hmm. He wants to get on a mule, walk down the trail. He's 72 years old and just be safe on something. Mm-hmm. You know, but, he, you know, he didn't get along um, and, uh, you know, called you up and you're great about it, as most people are. And, you know, had packed up and I think I left on like a Thursday night. Wednesday night, something like that. You drove down to Jacksboro, Texas. I drove so, all night. <laughs> you, you picked know. it up on one end of the country and dropped it off on the other. Oklahoma end. City is pretty easy to get through at two in the morning. Yeah, that's yeah, a good time just, to go through it. I you guess. can set the cruise and move, but uh, yep. I think I took a, about an hour nap down there in Jacksboro and mm-hmm. turned the truck back on and headed her back north. Yeah. After yeah. that. Yeah, that was crazy. Uh, <laughs> you know, but. You know, talk about selling mules. That that is one of the things that just comes up. Sometimes, sometimes they're just not a good fit. And the other thing I try to tell people too is, you know what? You might not be the best fit for that mule. Right. You know, so it, it goes Absolutely. both ways too. You know, and a lot of people put it on the mule. Um, and, well, just like the mule has to know things. Um, you know, the rider needs to understand how to ride. Not mm-hmm. only does the mule know how to ride, but does the rider know how to ride? It goes all the time. You know, I recently sold a mule to a really a person that's turned into a good friend of mine down in Arkansas. Um, and, you know, I told him, I said, I was adamant about, you know, I don't do this for a living, but you got referred to me. I do have a mule I'm thinking of selling. And we went and spent three days with them. We rode together. I really wanted to make sure that I knew my mule. I absolutely knew my mule. I had enough people that had rode that mule. I know he's safe. I know any level rider can get on him and ride and what he was wanting to do. And you know, that was things I was wanting to just verify if there ever was an issue, just kind of be able to see it with my own two eyes and understand you know, what's going on here. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, it, it can be, you know, it can be it can be different with different people getting on different mules and just what's going on in the scenario. You know, it's it often gets blamed on the mule, like you said, 
but um very i don't know you know maybe half the time you know there's two parts of the equation takes two tango so it's probably oh, yeah. at least half the time just the human's fault as well well you know in in uh i mean you know me joe what i do i mean i spend my whole life going around teaching people mm-hmm. and it uh it never ceases to amaze me it, every time we adjust to fit the mule they adjust tenfold to fit us absolutely they, they really want to get along and so you know it's usually just basically the art of asking the right questions at the right time and people either will either mess up on one of those either asking the wrong questions or asking the right, right questions maybe might be the wrong time so mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. well let's uh let's rewind a little bit um why don't you tell me, because uh, uh, you've never actually told me this at all before, but um, I mean, tell me about your first ride mules. Like what <laughs> did you, did you, you said your dad uh, was into draft stock. Yep. Okay. So you probably grew up driving and mm-hmm. and playing around that way. When did you get into the riding stuff? And Yeah. So like I said, we grew up draft horses, you know, grew up going to the big sales of Cologne and Waverly as a kid. Um you know, had some quarter horses. My first horse as a kid was a stud horse. I probably got bucked off. I don't know how many times, <laughs> but a good thing I got a thick head. Um, my dad was on a wagon train ride where he's actually at right now. He does these quite often now. And he's on this wagon train ride with some folks and um, they go by this place, stop this place for lunch. And um, guy comes out and it's about September time. And the guy comes out and says, does anyone want to buy a mule? And dad's, my dad's thing is when he retired, he wanted to retrace the Oregon trail with a team of mules and live in this covered wagon, which he's done about a third of that trek so far. Well, wow. and, uh, dad says, well, sure. You know, what, what do you want for it? What is it? So they went up and walked and it was this little bay Molly mule, about 42 inch tall Molly mule and, um, hundred bucks. The guy just didn't want to feed her through the winter. You know, nothing wrong with her. Just, and it's like, yeah, sure. You know, hundred bucks, you know, if you don't have a hundred dollars to gamble away, you know, if it's a good deal, if it's not, you know, and uh we still have her. her name's maggie um and she's uh she's at my dad's and dad broke her to drive um my dad has a uh horse-drawn mower that he mows a little bit of hay with um but i leave about an acre for him to go play around with you know he'll plow he'll do all sorts of stuff skidding logs out of the timber and she does all that i mean she was right there next to a 15 two-hand uh pertrin draft horse you know at 42 inch little molly mule you know, pound for pound working along right with her. And it was pretty cool. And, you know, we got her, took her to a trainer when I was about 15 and, um, he spent about 60 days on her and got her riding. And, uh, there was this mule show in Winterset, like I said, just South of me, Madison County. And, uh, it was the Madison County fair mule show. Well, I went down there and I showed this mule and I'd been riding her a little bit, um, having a lot of fun. She was a nice mule, real gentle. Um, didn't know everything, but knew everything I thought an animal needed to know at that point. Um, I, I really hadn't even had an animal that neck ran to that point. So I thought that was pretty cool mm-hmm. <laughs> and, uh, went and showed that show. And that's where I met Chris French, um, and a lot of other folks from down in, in that area. Um, and I met the folks at IDMS, Iowa donkey mule society, good friend of mine that passed away, um, Mike Forbes and, uh, that just snowballed from there. I mean, it just, I got bit by a bug and it got, it got dang addictive from there. So, um, that's kind of how I started, you know, still have that little mule. Um, you know, she's a, she's a great little mule, good trail riding mule. Um, been in some good times, took her hog hunting when that was the only mule I had, but, uh, 
um, learned a lot for, since then for sure. Speaking of Chris, I had Chris on here. Yeah. Last year. When you're in Nebraska. Yeah. Yeah. He's Chris is awesome. <laughs> he's a good, good hand. I send a lot of people to him for training out here and anybody yeah. that calls it's in the Iowa, Missouri, you know, ish area. I yeah. send a lot of people to Chris and he turns a lot of them down. <laughs> he's so busy. It's like, Oh no. Then they call me back. They say, well, Chris said no. Yeah. <laughs> well, we'll, uh, we'll keep looking. Yeah. We'll just go down the list from there. But Chris is, Chris is awesome. Yeah. He, you know, he's man, he got like 200 acres of hay. He puts up every year, mm-hmm. um, has brood mares. He has jacks. Chris has always had a breeding program. Yeah. Um, and, uh, always had mares, you know, has always farmed a little bit and this and that, but, uh, you know, the guy's riding like nine head a day, you know, his day yeah. starts at like five something in the morning, gets over about dark and, uh, you know, he, if someone wants to say they're married to their job, I mean, his life, like a lot of us folks, a lot of folks that are in it doing it for 11 is mules. And, um, mm-hmm. not only just a good, like a person that I talk to as far as riding and training and breeding and all the stuff, but just as a good friend that, you know, mm-hmm. in the end of the day as well. Yeah. Yeah. I can go, I can go a long time without talking to Chris and then he can just call me up or I can call him up and just like we left right off. He's a good man. Absolutely. That kind of brings me to another question, Joe, uh, you kind of answered it with Chris right there, but who, who are some of your, your mule mentors yeah. in your life? Um, I know you, you've talked about Chris and, and I know you've talked to, in the past, you told me about, um, Clay, uh, Clay Austin, Clay Austin. That's yeah. 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 I've never met Clay. Um, I don't, uh, I mean, he probably wouldn't have a clue who I am, but, um, you've talked about him before and, course you said you know your dad learning about the draft stock from your dad and everything mm-hmm. but tell me about some of your mentors well you know like i said when i first met the folks i met i met um chris french clay austin um and I'll, and I'll talk about clay in a bit and a good friend of mine uh, mike forbes now i might get choked up talking about mike but mike was a good friend of mine um I lived by indianola iowa and uh mike knew a lot about mules um and uh, was good like i said just a good all-around friend mike taught me a lot about you know looking at the the breeding the finer points of mules he'd been around the mule industry a long long time just as a person that kind of did it did it for fun you know he owned his own business and everything um but mike was just someone that had been around the industry a long time and and could always give you sound advice on on somebody or something or whatever it may be um clay austin Clay taught me probably the most I know today about, you know, collection, um, you know, truly getting an animal, how to ride correctly. And, and I really, you know, there's a real difference in how something rides correctly or you just riding them. Um, Clay spent, God, I was trying to think of it this morning on my way up here. If it wasn't 20 years, it was close to it. Uh, working for a rain cow horse trainer, Luke Jones in Allerton, Iowa, um, Southeast Iowa, South Central Iowa. And, um, you know, Clay started a lot of those, a lot of those high dollar cow horses for him. Um, he has a pretty, pretty particular, pretty, you know, go-to, uh, training program. He goes through, you know, his groundwork program and everything like a lot of folks do. And, you know, when you spend that much time on the back and around, you know, equine, whether it's mules or horses, um, you know, you really learn how, you know, to work with them. Um, you know, and Clay's type guy, he never had the, 
the high, the fanciest, best bred animal, um, you know, fanciest tack, this or that always had the best he had. He'll tell me that all the time, you know, but he learned to get done with what he had. And, you know, through, through that, you know, through adversity, you learn, you know, a lot more versus if you just had, you know, an animal that more na that naturally did what you were trying to get it to do, you know, cause if they're not naturally doing, they can't naturally move or make a maneuver or, or something, then you have to learn how to train them. And when you learn how to train them, then you kind of, um, you know, it, it rounds out your, your horsemanship and mulemanship. So Clay really taught me a lot of that when I was training my three-year-old or the three-year-old then she's nine now on, uh, you know, like I said, collection, get rounding their back, lifting their shoulders, getting their butt underneath them, um, you know, and why you're trying to get these maneuvers and do these things and, you know, understand that it doesn't happen overnight. It's a, it's a long, you got to have really understand the long game and, and a long-term solution. And you can have a lot of gimmicks and tricks and, and cover up a lot of falseness in something's training and make them look like, Hey, they can do these sliding stops. They can do these rollbacks. They can do all these things, but you know, just it, stand up on their back and crack a whip. And you got it covered. <laughs> yeah. Right. 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 <laughs> well, you can have a pretty quiet animal that, you know, there's animals that are not just born quiet that are really easy to get along that you mm -hmm. walk out there first time, throw a saddle on, hop on their back and probably G haul them around, oh, stay on the yeah. back. Crack. If that's just the demeanor and, and personality they have, um, you know, but it's like a house or a building or anything, you know, anybody that's bought a house is, you know, you don't skimp on your foundation because everything's rests on that foundation. And then, mm -hmm. you know, you can do all you want as far as your fine furnishings and your granite countertops and your custom cabinets. But if you have a faulty foundation or crooked, you know, two by four in your, in your walls, you're framing, that doesn't matter. That's all coming crumbling down because your foundation wasn't built correctly. So, oh, yeah. so that was kind of how I got started. And, uh, I tell you what, any, any guy, any girl, any person in this industry, horses, mules, or anything, you know, will probably never say they're ever done. You know, that's, there's oh, only yeah. a beginning, but there's never an end to it. Yeah. There's always learning to be done. And, um, you gotta, you gotta ride, you gotta, you gotta do stuff. You gotta be out there working to, to learn. Um, I tell a lot of friends, I mean, you can sit and yeah, they can listen to these podcasts and they can, <laughs> uh, they can read books and, and watch videos like I've made you know, how many hundreds of videos now mm -hmm. they can do all that. And that's great, but they got to go out there and apply it. One, one thing that I say in my clinics all the time is usually on the second or third day, I'll come out and I'll say, you guys ready to learn something today? <laughs> and they say, you know, everybody's like, yeah. Yeah. I'm like, ah, learning doesn't matter. And they say, what? I say learning doesn't matter unless you're improving. And they go, oh yeah. I say improvement doesn't matter either. Mm-hmm. And they go, what? I go, improvement doesn't matter unless you're applying it. You got to learn. You got to improve on that learning. Then you got to go apply it. You got to go do this stuff. You got to, you got to be out there practicing it. And that's a huge piece of all this puzzle mm -hmm. is, is applying it. Remind me, uh, remind me your mule's name that you, the nine-year-old. Um, Wendy. Wendy. Yeah. So, uh, you, let's see, I, I'm pretty sure you, didn't you bring her when you came down to New, New Mexico? No, I didn't. Or, yeah, maybe I'm thinking you, a different time. You've seen her at Ozark Mule Days. I, I Ozark. Know. Yeah. I've seen her a couple of times. Mm -hmm. And um, that's a good mule. She's kind of the one that, <laughs> yeah, she is. She's kind of the one that for me, uh, 
you know, own mules before that, my first, that first mule, that little bay mule we still got, you know, I had mm-hmm. a couple mules that I had in between, um, that I thought I was kind of getting something done with that, you know, looking back, it's like, eh, I really weren't probably, <laughs> but, uh, she was that one when, when I bought her, um, as a two-year-old and I bought her from, um, uh, Chris's ex-wife, Kelly's aunt, Sandy, live and good. And, you know, go back to what clay and chris have taught me a lot is you know i really look at the breeding of the mare and the jack the mare and the jack and i growing up with horses i really never understood genetics i didn't know names you know you look at some papers i couldn't tell you what the top side and the bottom side meant which was what but she's out of a, a jackie b mare so she had a quarter horse uh, mare you know um good demeanor fairly uh some good size to them um and she was out of copyright first colonel's uh choice copyright um, which was a jack that Chris and Kelly and Chris, they stood for a long time has has had a lot of good mules out of, um, and so that that goes back to you know look at those genetics that goes back to he was copy was out of Colonel and Chris you correct me if I'm wrong or Kelly somebody Jim live and good, um, out of Colonel and out of a sister to choice, um, and so pretty good Texas scooter stock, um, had through a really good nice clean head and neck all that stuff. And, um, I bought her as a two-year-old with men in mind that I'd shown a couple years against these folks in mind that I wanted to go into this three-year-old fraternity that the Iowa donkey and mule society does where, um, just like any fraternity, you know, you go in and, um, they have to be nom The Jack has to be nominated. She was shown her as a weanling. And I wanted to go into this three-year-old fraternity that summer. Um, so bought her in about august july of the as her two-year-old year that fall um winter started her chris uh spent some time with me chris started her for me and uh at when i got her home that was when the journey really began you know that was when like i'm i'm serious as a heart attack it was an hour a day six days a week max or minimum and um you know, I get done ice fishing. We get a lot of, I do a lot of ice fishing here in Iowa. I get done ice fishing all day. I go jump in the truck and I had a covered arena, an arena about 30 miles away. I'd pay somebody and I go ride for an hour. Um, you know, I, I was serious about riding and wanting to learn and, uh, spend a lot of time going to people's places, including Clay's and Chris's and, um, you know, learned how to do all these things that has made her the mule she is today. You know, I always wonder if the best mule out there never, you know, maybe got the right start or the right get was given the right credit and it's just out there. Who knows where, mm-hmm. maybe it's been in a kill pen and because, you know, understand she wouldn't be the mule. She'd be half the mule she is today because mm-hmm. she has a tremendous demeanor and she has a, a the second to none willingness to learn. Mm-hmm. Um, she doesn't necessarily, she wasn't really moving correctly. She doesn't have the strongest hip and loin and everything but she was willing to learn all that. And that's really what made her the mule she is today. And uh, that mule, you know, I've reached, I got reserved that year. Um, I beat Chris, huh, Chris, I beat you that year. (laughs) (laughs) But uh, I got second to a good friend from Nebraska, Joe Teeter. Um, And we got reserve champion that year. And I was really hard on myself when I didn't win. Clay was first person to come up, talk to me. He says, Hey, I'd rather win the reserve than win first. I said, why is that? He says, well, heck, all you get for first is a belt buckle. For reserve, you get a saddle pad. I'd much rather have that saddle pad. <laughs> it's actually something you can use, you know. And probably cost more money. Yeah. <laughs> so get get that, you know. Won a yeah. won a trail championship uh, on a trail challenge her three year old year. 
Nice. have won a few since then with her. You know, she's been my wife's mule. Um, my mm-hmm. wife grew up not really riding much and, you know, I've been blessed to have that mule to get my wife riding with me. Um, you know, and move cattle, rope cattle, drug cattle on her. And it's just, she's the type of animal where you just can't be more proud of, you know, the versatility and what she can all go do. So, um, yeah, Wendy's a nice mule. I've that when I've seen you with her, she's looking good. So we're going to take a quick break right here, Joe. Got to thank a sponsor. We'll be right mm-hmm. back. Hey friends. I want to thank our amazing sponsors over at the Boyd Ranch Mule Days. I've been going down to the Boyd Ranch just outside of sunny Wickenburg, Arizona uh, for the past couple of years. I've had a lot of fun doing clinics down there and I can't wait to go back in March. Boyd Ranch Mule Days is now the entire week of March 7th through the 13th, 2022. And of course my clinic is three days long, that's the 7th through the 9th. Uh, along with my good friend, Mr. Chris Clark, who is a Grand Canyon uh, veteran. He's been down there, been packing many years, very experienced, and a great teacher. You'll enjoy learning from Chris as well. You know, they also got a driving clinic down there. And, uh, you know, I don't know a lot about driving. And uh, this is going to be fun to, to see what's going on over there. So there's some, they're covering some basic harnessing and driving single and double. You know, after three full days of clinicking between my clinic the packing clinic and the driving clinic then it's time to get out on the trail they got short medium long rides uh going on and also an ultra long wilderness ride they offer uh they got their famous trail obstacle course they they got their all-out mule ramble going on they're giving away ribbons prizes and i think they've even talked me into being the announcer for the event so i'm gonna have a blast there for sure every night there's there's food good food uh they got concerts going on live music and dancing and it's going to be a ton of fun family friendly and i just can't wait to be there if you want to come to boyd ranch mule days i'd love to see you there go visit boydranch.org for more information and to apply to join us hey i can't wait to see you there looking forward to it Okay, Joe, we're back online here, live. Well, we are live. <laughs> these people listening might not hear it till November. I don't know. Uh, yeah, whenever they decide so, to press plus play. Yep. Um, well, that Wendy's a good mule, and it sounds like you've had some success there with her. And uh, I was going to ask you about your, your wife and if she rides, and you kind of answered that a little bit. So mm-hmm. is she enjoying the mules oh, a little yeah. bit? You know, that's been a, a blessing for us to, you know, she's enjoyed riding. Um, you know, she's learning a lot just for the first time she got on this. Uh, she's going to go do a, a girlfriend's day ride and take the two mules and have one of her friends that doesn't have something to ride, ride one of the mules. And so she was riding my younger mule, Yuma, who uh, she's uh, she's a fun one. You know, she's gentle as a dog, but she just, she's different. You know, they're all different in their natural athletic ability. And she's a little more athletic. She's a little smaller, a little more balanced and carries herself. And, but just getting her on that new mule, you know, we were talking about people when riding mules and understanding how they work and making sure everybody's a good fit with each other. It's like, 
you know, we spent about 20 minutes and it was just, it was a good time. And she's just asking me all these questions. They ride so differently. I said, well, they're two totally different animals. <laughs> you know, one, one's a, one's a lot more athletic, but I was a lot, I knew a lot more when I started the other two. So yeah, it's oh, been a blessing man. for us to have to, for our marriage and, and everything to have our mules. And so, you know, you just said something there that, you know, when you started the one, it's a lot different than when you started the other, cause you know, a lot more now. Mm-hmm. And, uh, that's one of the things that I tell a lot of people that come to the clinics that are a little bit hesitant to work on stuff until they know everything. I'm like, well, you, if you have that attitude that you're not going to do anything until you know everything, you're never going to get anything done. <laughs> you're never going to know everything. I don't think we won't get anything done this whole life. Yeah. Life is, life is not about knowing everything, you know, um, you got to have a little faith that some the few things you do know will work. And, uh, but I tell them, you know, I just line mules up and ruin them. <laughs> like, like, but, but I, but the next one in my life, I should ruin differently than mm-hmm. the last one. I should be ruining each mule in a different way. Absolutely. And learning and getting better. And I hope, you know, uh, you know, I look back, uh, I like to look in five year segments. Okay. Five years ago, what did things look like compared to now? And I can honestly say I'm riding way better now than five years ago. And I hope five years from now, Absolutely. I'm riding way better than I, I, I see myself today and hope, hopefully it keeps going like that. But, um, but yeah, that's a, that's a good little tidbit you put in there that, yeah, it, it changes as you get educated. Oh, it more. does. And experience and, and feel, you know, we talk about that word feel a lot and that, oh, yeah. and it takes, uh, I mean, it takes a lot of experience to, to figure out what that means. That was the number one thing. I, I kind of ended that riding time with my wife because, uh, <laughs> you know, when we're riding and, and I'm trying to explain, I know, I know I've ridden the mule. I know what she does. I'm trying to explain to my wife, you know, you know, when you're going a direction and I talk about correctly doing these things and it's just something maybe I'm too hard on, but correctly trotting, correctly loping, walking, turning, all this mm-hmm. stuff. Um, I do a lot of, I back a lot of squares. I ride a lot of squares for me. It makes sure they keep those shoulders up as they're coming into, they're not dropping a shoulder in or outside of a turn, all those things. And what I was trying to tell my wife and, you know, I told her, I thought I was telling her and I think she understood, but said the number one thing you're going to try to learn, and it's going to take years probably is feel. And it's just utter feels. Don't look with your eyes, keep your eyes up, look where you're going and be able to feel what your animal's doing underneath you. You know, you don't need to use your hands or your eyes for confirmation of, to confirm what you think is going on. You need to learn to feel what's going on and be able to react to that feel because you'll react much quicker to that feel than you will if you see them do something and then react in that way. And mm-hmm. it goes back to our pressure and release and how they're trying to learn. And if you release at the wrong time, you're releasing 10 seconds too late. And what were they doing when you did release and therefore what you're teaching them? And so learning that feel and learning what an animal's doing underneath you, you know, I talk about, are they, are they collected? Are they rounding their back and lifting their shoulders? Well, I don't know. Well, it's something you just got to learn through feel. So well, the other thing that is hard to remember, and this is something I have to constantly remind myself, even me every week when I work with people is listen, work with them from where they're at. Mm-hmm. Just, just like the mule. Mm-hmm. I work with the mule where the mule's at. You got to work with the, riders the people from where they're at so you know if you get into talking all about all that stuff with your with your wife who's new in this in this uh basically it's just recreation Mm -hmm. 
new to this recreation for her, you know, mm-hmm. she's gonna be like, man, this is <laughs> like, <laughs> this is way too complicated. Right. Right. Like, you know, no, you just, you, you work them from where they're at and what they're, what they understand right now. And you add a little bit at a time until they get more understanding. It's pretty cool to see the, I see the same thing with my kids. Um, you know, do you remember, uh, you know, Ellie, my oldest daughter, mm-hmm. you know, and, I've, I've tried to be real good about just letting her ride for the most part. So <laughs> when, when she, she gets to just mostly just ride. Mm-hmm. So 90% of the time she just gets to ride and do whatever she wants to do. <laughs> but every little, every little ride or I'll see her, I'll just give her one little thing. Hey, can you do this? And it's almost like a challenge, you know, because she's a little bit slightly competitive and I say, Hey, can you think you can do that? <laughs> yeah, I can do that. <laughs> you know, she does it. And that's her little, that's her one, you know, it might only be a 30 second, 30 second writing lesson from dad, which, um, you know, me and this guy talk, it's like, there's, there's kids and adults that come from all over the world to hear what I have to say, but my own kids don't want to, <laughs> you know, <laughs> that's just dad, like, yeah, just dad. I'm just dad, you know, yeah. like, what the crap do I know? Right. So, but I'll try to sneak in there a little 30 second riding lesson, um, that she doesn't really even know it's a riding lesson. It's mm-hmm. just a little moment of, Hey, you think you could get that mule to stop and back up three steps? Mm-hmm. And, and it's not that I don't say, Hey, can you stop and back that mule up? I say, Hey, can you stop and back up three steps? Right. And that three steps teaches her to count one end or the other. Mm-hmm. Oh, so, and I see her, I'm like, well, there's three steps with the front end. She must've been counting the front end, you know, or, or whatever. And, and, um, it's interesting trying to build that in, um, but not be pushy. And I think riding with family or teaching family members is probably the most challenging. It is. And luckily my wife, Sky is, uh, Sky is super humble and meek and she absolutely, she's, she's, she's always asking me questions, you know, um, and, and wanting to learn and improve. Um, but I, but I see a lot of spouses that come to the clinics that, <laughs> that you know like if, if the wife tells the husband he ain't listening <laughs> so she'll, the wife will come up will you tell him <laughs> no you'll just let him figure it out you just set it fix it up and wait just like with the mule just fix it up and wait oh i know so hey um uh i want you to I told you to think of some, you got a lot of mule stories. <laughs> you got all kinds of stories and adventures, especially hanging out with old Chris. You guys can't help but have an adventure. I'm sure <laughs> you guys probably would have been awesome to hang out with. If I, if I lived out here, imagine we'd hang out Yeah, quite a bit, you know, but you got any, uh, you got any mule stories for me? I mean, it could be anything. It could be anything, um, highs or lows <clears throat> or in between. What do you got? Well, you know, before I get in one specifically, um, I'll say, Mules have blessed me because I can honestly say mules have been the, the catalyst that has led to me meeting some of the best people I've ever met that I probably wouldn't have met otherwise if it wasn't for mules. Mm-hmm. Um, whether it had been Les Clancy and that whole gang of Ozark Mule Days, you know, and Joe, Jesse and Mandy Rosenberger and, and Jason down there that we met there. They're from Illinois, you know, or, or um, folks from arkansas that we get to go down and ride we've been twice to arkansas this year and never been before then um you guys especially <clears throat> and being in new mexico and riding with those folks and everything and so i've just been so blessed that mules have been able to be the thing that's gotten me around to doing all these things i've wanted to always do 
Um, but one thing specifically, you know, that uh, that mules that a, a story or, you know, my mules have done for me um, outside of mule folks, you know, folks that um, are, you know, don't ride mules. Uh, a lot of my good friends team rope and um, I don't team rope. I can swing a rope, but I ain't very, very good and everything. But they all ride horses and they have really nice horses um, and a uh, little little black sheep thing about me i'm thinking about buying a horse but i can get into that later about a horse for what a horse is and a mule for what a mule is right yeah but um you know that they've always said you know and like one of your last podcasts you're talking about you know folks are like wow it's just a mule you know that stigma of a mule Mm -hmm. and one of my things in life is wherever we go i tell my wife i want i don't want to my mules to confirm that stigma in people's minds for what mules are um yep and so I've been able to go buddy of mine, uh, dad has a roping arena and they'll rope Friday nights, Saturdays, you know, most, most days during the summer and whatnot. And, you know, I've been doing a little stuff there and, and, you know, track some cattle and whatnot. But, uh, but just riding with some of these folks have, you know, rode horses their whole lives and ride the horses. And, you know, Kevin Eaton will tell me, he says, Joe, he says, mules are a pack animal you they, if i was in the mountains i'd want a mule hands down but i'm here in the arena i want a horse and you know and you get around and cut that cow and i said i know but i said it's the challenge of i want to take this quote pack animal and make it better than what people think it can be make it better than what you know that horse naturally carries itself and gets around on its hind end and can do make those maneuvers this mule's not built to do that yep and so, you know, my story is, you know, going and, and doing this and being able to kind of prove some of these folks wrong, um, that the mules can do it and why them, you know, the, what these mules have taught me to refine my horsemanship or mulemanship that otherwise, you know, doing it on an animal that naturally can move like that, you might not learn how to teach some of these things. And so, you know, not just specifically, you know, we had this great time in the mountains going somewhere. I mean, We've had some tremendous, uh, not really wrecks, but going down some pretty rough country, you know, riding in the, in the hills of Southern Iowa and Missouri and Arkansas. I've seen some, the most beautiful country I'd ever see on the back of a mule. Where I don't see no hills around here. What are you talking about? You're up on the Des Moines lobe. <laughs> yeah. Everyone thinks Iowa is the flat prairie and we're looking across this, uh, I don't know, I've seen some ducks and birds. I don't know. There must be a pond over there, but you know there's probably care. great pheasant ground and quail in there hands down <laughs> i mean i'd like to go follow a bird dog around through there and shoot a pheasant but yep you know where i'm from just about 40 miles southwest of here it's in the hills of madison county and you yep. know you get part of that and you think there's timber rattlers and you think you're in, in missouri and i tell you what one of the most beautiful places i've been and i wouldn't mind moving to if uh, my wife's and my careers would ever let us go is arkansas i mean arkansas is a place and Shout out to a guy I've always wanted to ride with, uh, Clay Newcomb. I know Clay's a fan of yours. Oh yeah, Clay. Uh, Clay's kind of a celebrity in his own with Bear Grease podcast and yep. and that whole meat eater crew. Um, yeah, I, I'm I'm a fan of Bear Grease. Listen yeah, Bear Grease I was week. just listening to on the yeah. way up here about the the Arizona mountain lion did guy. You, uh, d- did he did he beat you up for saying acorn <laughs> instead of acorn? It is acorn, <laughs> by the way, Clay. You know we we're not from the south. Um, but, um, but you know, these mules, they, man, they, they, they get, they get people, they give people so many experiences, so many stories in life. It's hard to just pick one because, but, uh, but that's probably the story that sticks out to me is my personal friends, you know, growing up, I was never the person that rode horses every day. Good. My buddy Logan, whose dad's Kevin, um, 
grew up riding horses for his dad. You know, he rode horses every night for him. It was a job. Him and Mai's experiences with training and riding are too different for him. It's a job. And he's, uh, sometimes not been able to enjoy, like I have a hard time selling an animal cause I get very attached to that animal as you're learning for him. It's an animal that's, you know, you turn, you make money doing it. And, um, Hey, I totally understand, but, uh, showing, you know, horse people what mules can do and earning their respect for your mules. Um, that's something I cherish really close to my heart. So, oh yeah. You know, it's, uh, at the end of all this, it's about the people you've influenced and met and been around and experiences you've had Mm -hmm. and the things you've learned and uh, mules can do so much for you. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I was going to ask you when you went down to Arkansas, if you were, who you had ridden with, that's interesting. You hung out with old clay. Um, Tommy. Oh, Tommy and Debbie. Gosh, Tommy, Tommy, don't kill me right now. I'm having a brain fart. I'm looking your name up on my phone. Tommy and Debbie Park. Sorry, Tommy, if you listen to this, he's going to kill me for that. Um, <laughs> Tommy and Debbie, you know, this, this is a, okay, this is a story. This is one that sticks out. So, um, Tommy parent been looking for a mule to ride. He was riding with a good friend of his, uh, Jeff Maggie, and they're riding, they trail ride a lot down there in Arkansas. And he lives just outside, uh, just in Perryville, Arkansas, just northwest of Little Rock, about 45 minutes to an hour, out, right outside the Washita Mountains. And uh, Tommy had quarter horses and stuff, had a mule in the past. But Tommy had a uh, was riding with Jeff, and Jeff had bought a mule from Jan Sanford, who's a good friend of Chris's as well down there, and raises some mules out of Chris's. And mm-hmm. this little mule called Stella. And um, Stella been a full sister to uh, John Walker's uh uh, digs, Mr. Diggum mule. Anyway, you know, Tommy looks at his buddy Jeff and says, I want one of those and points at Jeff's mule. And, um, and so, you know, Tommy starts getting on the horn and Tommy, Tommy knows some people and Tommy gets on the horns with some friends of theirs that live up here, not far from where we're right here in Iowa. And, uh, they say, you need to talk to this Chris French. And, and Jeff had said, well, that's Chris French's brand on there. Mm-hmm. And, um, Tommy got a hold of Chris and Chris says, well, Tommy, I'm sorry. I just don't have anything right now to sell. I, you know, sold a couple mules a few weeks ago. But I just don't have anything. And Chris is real honest about that. Um, not going to try to just sell something, make some money. And, and he says, I got this friend of mine that has a mule or two that he might sell to you, but he doesn't sell mules. He doesn't trade mules, but I know the mules he has. And if he'll sell one to you, he'll be honest and all this stuff. And I appreciate Chris for, you know, kind of giving me a little endorsement like that. But um, I got this call. I think it was on a Monday or Sunday evening. I can't remember which last November or December. Anyway, I missed the call and I go check my phone and about seven o'clock at night. And I look at my phone and have this missed call from Perryville, Arkansas. I'm like, you know, we all get these telemarketers on our cell phones, right? And I'm like, yeah, I don't know who's this. Well, left a voicemail, so I listened to it. And this this guy who talks a little funny down there in Arkansas. Yeah, they do talk funny. <laughs> and he says he's looking for me. So I call him back and I said, Yeah. And I'm like, I don't know who this person is. And I'm kind of particular where my mules end up. Just I don't know if I feel yep. like it's I owe it to him. Anyway, we talk about the mule for about oh, 10 minutes. Um, never sees a picture, and he says, Well. Sounds like uh, what what I want. He asked me what I wanted for him. I told him. And he says, I'll have my wife mail you a check in the morning. But the thing is, I'm having a pretty, uh, basically reconstructive surgery on my foot. I'm going to be out six weeks. So if I send you a check, would that be all right? And you hold them for a few months till I can get them or something? 
I said, uh, Tommy, don't you want to like see this mule? Maybe let me send you some pictures. You want to ride them? You know, I, I just don't feel comfortable like doing this. He's like, mm-hmm. no, 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 no. He says, Joe, I'm a believer in God. And you know, this is, this feels right. You know, it, it feels right. I'm like, all right, whatever. You know? So the guy sends me the check checks. Good. I cashed it, stuck in an envelope on the fridge. And I'm like told him, I said, I cashed the check just to make sure it's good. But the money's in an envelope stuck pinned to the fridge. I'm not spending a dime of that till we make sure this is a good deal. Well, a couple months go along. I end up hauling the mule down there for a long weekend. They have this bed and breakfast that they have stayed there. Nicest people I ever met in the world. We rode. Um, he just, it was just getting off surgery, um, where he was able to get kind of walk around and stuff and doctor cleared him to ride. But actually when he swung up to get on the mule first time, tore some scar tissue and his foot swelled up like a football oh wow because <laughs> we went and spent a couple of days up at falling waters horse camp and we were looking forward to riding together and i just really wanted to spend two three days riding through all sorts of countries showing them that this mule is legit mm-hmm. um i want to make sure it's a good fit for everybody or else i was going to hand them the money and i'm hauling the mule back home but mm-hmm. um you know that was just a great time um i think tommy's talked to you a couple times at least he's told me that i'm sure you have enough people that's hard to keep track of everybody but mm-hmm. That was just one of those experiences without mules that would have never happened. So, oh, yeah. So. Yeah. That's pretty cool. Mm-hmm. So, um, a couple of th- I know you're going to have to get on to work here soon. I'm sure you're so excited. <laughs> uh, but one, a couple of things I want to ask that I usually ask all my guests. Um, what is, what does mulemanship mm-hmm. mean to you? You know, mulemanship to me, and and I know you asked me this question, so hey, be ready to answer this. And I was thinking about it, you know, last night and this morning, and you know, really getting down to the, the brass tacks of it is, you know, you can say mulemanship, horsemanship's a lifestyle, and for a lot of people, it really is. You know, for you guys, it is. Um, for me, I can't really probably say, you know, wholeheartedly, it's a lifestyle. I'd love it was my lifestyle, but for me, it's at least an art form. Um, you know, I, I really look at when I'm riding mules and when I see people riding and they're wanting to get better, that this is an art form that you're constantly refining, fine tuning. Um, you know, are you just sitting on your mule or are you keeping your balance? You know, we've talked about feel, we've talked about moving correctly, your animal moving correctly, um, how they're learning. And are, you know, when I was teaching my wife, all this stuff is say, you know, use your legs, you know, um, use your hips, look where you're going. When you, your eyes turn, your shoulders turn, makes your hips turn. They're learning more from that and communicating more through that than they are from you jihawing their mouth around or doing any of that stuff. Mm-hmm. And so for me, you know, it's a constant evolving art that I'm trying to constantly fine tune and refine and learn, you know, the whole mulemanship, horsemanship, and, and gets back to a little bit of the lifestyle of it is, you know, not only refining and, and fine tuning your mules and your, your communication and your training and your riding ability, but you know, the, the tack of it, you know, having kind of irritates me when people pull up in a $70,000 truck and a hundred thousand dollar trailer, but you know, they haven't taken the, I guess the, for me, the respect to get the tack they can afford for the animal, because that's going to affect how that animal's comfortable and everything. But, you know, always kind of, I say, you know, have the best you can afford, um, but, you know, it, it's kind of like on the media podcast, they talk about a guy who has a $10 pair of binos, but he pulls up in a $50, $50,000 truck and he says, well, I wasn't successful. <laughs> it's like, well, <laughs> the truck isn't helping you hunt, you know, but yeah. those kind of things, you know, so that's what mulemanship means to me. It's a, 
it's not just getting on your animal and riding. It's not just sitting your butt down in the saddle and, and going in a, in a direction. It's, mm-hmm. it's learning, communicating what's going on underneath you. How is that animal moving um, and refining that and constantly learning? You know, when I'm riding, I'm not just sitting. It's hard for me to just kind of trail ride and relax. So I'm constantly wanting to just correct. And, and, and it's, you know, I need to give my animal that kind of relaxing and everything there. You know, something I've pushed myself to do. I never really was very good at keeping my balance and having a good core um, seat and everything. So I try to, I put on myself a goal one summer. I was going to, after for about 10, 15 minutes after every day I rode, I was going to ride bareback. And my goal was to be able to comfortably and consistently lope bareback, you know, to have that balance in your seat because you don't have your stirrups. You don't have your saddle horn. You don't have any of this. Um, those are all can be crutches you know, and, and hindrances to your communication ability to write too. So I encourage everybody, if you're physically able to, and you feel comfortable, um, do some bareback riding, you know, kind of learn that seat and you really feel what that animal's doing underneath you as well. Oh man. Yeah. That's good stuff. It also brings back a few nightmares growing up. <laughs> I was forced to ride bareback many a time. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> What you're talking about is a little different. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's just, I really try to push myself yeah. to learn and oh, yeah. um, not just that. And then also I said, I put up hay, you know, I, I like to put up my own hay. I want to know what my, you know, what they're eating, why they're eating it. Um, you know, all that hoof care. I've always wanted to go to a, like a two week farrier training school. Cause oh, yeah. you know, I can kind of trim animal, but really knowing your angles and your anatomy and all that stuff. It's just something I just, I get so deep in involved in it my wife says why do you when you do something why do you just have to go all in you just mm-hmm. have to have the best you can afford you i said that's just i don't know i'm not just gonna you know yeah no pun intended on the mule but i'm not gonna half-ass it you know yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so you know yeah. i like what you said about it, it being an art form refining that art because that's that's what i that's that's how i consider making a a bridal mule mm-hmm. you know you've heard mm-hmm. i mean you know me you know what i do and mm-hmm. you know going through that whole process of a snap a bit and hack a more and yep. a two rein into the bridal it's it's for me it's a it's a long process but it's a it's an art to me so it's more than just it's more than just getting performance out of a mule right it's more than just getting them to to turn and stop and and um you know canter depart and, and change leads and work a cow precisely but it's the art actually the the funnest part of it all is making it Mm -hmm. the fun the the best part is building it once i once i got it pretty well built i'm kind of like well give me another meal Mm -hmm. like you know it's okay now here i'm gonna give this to my kids it's time to move on to the next well you talk uh, about riding something that's finished to know what you're going to um you know i had a finally when i got kind of windy more or less there i'm not saying she's all the way there but you know she's kind of stalled out a little bit you pl- you'll once, plateau. Yeah. yeah. You're, you're going to plateau. But I can it. go back to a younger animal and know. And my wife said, I was like, hey, I'm just going to go ride Wendy for a wish. I'll come back. She said, how was it? I said, oh, it was so nice just to get on something. And, you know, I, I'm wanting to, you know, I, I like, I want to try a couple uh, Western dressage clinics because I like a lot of that, you know, those refined, those counter bending movements and higher able. And we can do some of them, not as consistently as I'd like, but I just like how, you really got to have a handle on, you know, disengaging, you know, lifting and moving those shoulders, you know, challenge somebody to go in a circle, have your nose bent to the right, but do your circle to the left. 
And and your mule is going to be like, what in the world am I trying to do? Well, it's lateral flexion with forward movement. And just to stretch out and get all those body parts broken down to where you can bend something and move a direction, you know, move that rib cage over and move diagonally across the square arena. You know, that's the art form and the fun of it. Right. And, um, I don't know. The next one will just screw up, screw up uh, in a different way, yeah, I guess. Exactly. Yeah. Just keep, <laughs> just keep messing them up in a different way. Just don't do it the same way twice. Right. <laughs> so that's good. Um, what's some advice you'd give somebody getting into mules or, or, or not even getting into mules, mm-hmm. but just what, what's some advice, what's a word of advice you'd give people in the mule world? You know, probably the biggest piece of advice I give is, um, you know, obviously find, find those mentors and those friends that have challenged you. You know, I'm blessed to be able to find those people and continue to find new people all the time. Um, but really just, um, don't stop learning, you know, have, have a desire to learn. Um, and through all that, never quit having fun. Cause that's why we're all doing this. I mean, very few of us are out here probably getting rich. I'm not making a dime. I'd have, I'd have some pretty cool to- toys or a cool, I don't know, something if it wasn't for mules, but mm-hmm. you know, you know, never quit having fun, especially kids out there. You know, any kids listening, um, you're, you're out there having fun. Don't get frustrated. You know, you can get frustrated, but don't let it really just don't learn to hate riding because it's a job or, you know, you're getting angry. You know, you're out at the end of the day, you're out there having fun and be proud of what you and your animal have accomplished. Don't try to benchmark yourself against others because you're always going to find somebody that you won't be as good as. Mm-hmm. You know, that was something that was really hard for me to learn, especially when I was showing is, you know, I didn't play. So I didn't get first and this and that. And Clay taught me and says, hey, are you having fun? Are you proud of your animal? Are you proud of yourself? you know, you're here having fun. You're here showing your animal and you know, the best your ability your animal can do. And if you think you, you know, you could, you portrayed that today, you know, be proud of that and then go back and work on what you need to work on. You know, don't do your training in the arena. Don't do your training in the middle of the class. You know, you know, don't beat on your animal because something screwed up because you get emotions flared and everything. And so don't quit having fun and always challenge yourself to continue to learn and get better. So that's awesome. We forget that sometimes to it's, have fun. <laughs> that's what this is all about. It is. At the end of the day, it's, that's what it's all about. So, well, Joe, it's been a pleasure having you on here, sir. Thank you. Appreciate it. This is, uh, I was pretty honored when you asked yeah. me. Yeah. I'm glad you could, could do it last kind of last minute. I, uh, you know, I, I just asked you last night and here we are this morning. So I appreciate <laughs> you, uh, going into work early and, um, yeah, it's been fun, man. So, well, have fun, have fun at the clinic here in Iowa. Everybody yeah. who's going to attend, have a good time. We hope you had a good time by the time you hear this. And, uh, um, absolutely. Well, you guys, thanks for tuning in today to Everyday Mealmanship. Uh, appreciate you listening. Um, I'd love to hear what you have to say about Joe. <laughs> <laughs> I guarantee 99% of people haven't heard of me and I'm probably all right with that. Most of the time yeah. I like going to places and I, I turn to Chris and everybody's talking to Chris. I'm standing next to him. Like Chris, no one knows who I am, but everybody knows yep. who you are. And, and uh, I said, I'm all right with that. You know, I'd yeah. love to make a living out of this, but you know, yep. what? it's just, God has different plans for all of us. Oh so. yeah. Well, if you guys uh, could leave us a review, especially on Apple podcasts, uh, leave a five-star rating and tell me what you think of the podcast. Otherwise, you can send an email to ty at tsmules.com and 
give me your feedback. Uh, thank you for listening. God bless you. And we'll see you down the road. I need to thank my friend, Mr. Ben Lewis at Roman Home. Mr. Ben has designed a really awesome tent. It's a cross between a wall tent and a range teepee. It's built to take tough weather, high winds. Craftsmanship is amazing. And it's made right here in the USA, right here in Utah, USA. And uh, right now, Ben has a special going on. You can save 500 bucks and uh, go to romanhome.com. Roman spelled R-O-A-M-I-N, romanhome.com. And uh, tell Ben hello, tell him Ty sent you.